Good morning to you, or evening, or afternoon, or whatever time of the day you may be watching. I'm sorry, I hope you're not watching, listening to our program of Bible study. And I'm just glad that you're with me, and I'm glad that you're uh, ready to learn, as I am, as God speaks to both of us and all of us through his word. And I hope you have your Bible, if you're where you can. And uh, if you're driving, don't use your Bible. Just look ahead and listen. But wherever you are, and uh, we're talking about choosing to grow, making choices that enable us to grow. And we talked about that last week, and we were in the middle of talking about choosing to be content. And we, we looked at Paul's words in Philippians 4, where he said, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every circumstance or situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And with that as our background, we've looked into what, what uh, contentment's all about, and we've talked about we need to be content with who we are, and that's understanding our relationship in Christ. Second, we need to be content with uh, where we are, where we are in the place where we live, that we can choose or choose not to be content there. And then we need to be content with what we have, whatever our possessions are at the moment. If we're constantly wanting more, if we're constantly coveting what other people have, if we're constantly seeking after things that someone else has, then we're not going to be content. Now, with, with that in our background, we're talking about uh, accepting where we are and who we are and avoiding the temptations of wishing and hoping and regretting and not idolizing the future, thinking the future is going to be so glorious, instead of enjoying and living to the full the present. Uh, several years ago, there was a story about a man named David Rothenberg. It was a tragic story of a father in a fit of rage went into his boy's room, poured kerosene all over the room and all over the tiny boy and lit them on fire. David somehow lived through it, though 95% of his body was covered with third-degree burns. To this day, he has virtually no skin. It's estimated that David will have to have approximately 5,000 operations in his lifetime. Each year, they have to open him up so that he can grow. But David has found contentment. Now, that's amazing to me. At age seven, he had the audacity to say, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive. I don't miss out on living. And that's wonderful enough for me. You see, he has decided to accept where he is, what he has, and go on with it. Uh, I heard about a preacher who was preaching a series of sermons in a little country church, and he was staying with a couple, so he went home with them after the first service, and he went into the bedroom where he was staying, and he got into bed, and he noticed on the window right by his bed there were scratched the words, this is the day. Now, he wondered what in the world could that mean, and could this be some special day, some memorable day? Finally, at breakfast, he just couldn't stand any longer, and so he asked the lady and, and the man what it meant. And the lady of the house smiled, and, and she began to tell him that years ago, she had been a constant worrier, and she had been a person who was always discontent with 
where she was and what she had. And she was always wanting the next day to be better and not living each day to the full. And so she said then one day she came across Psalm 118.24, which says this, This is the day which the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Like a light shining from heaven, in those words, it illuminated her heart. And she said, I had anticipated contentment with Christ, but I'd never known it. She said, for the first time, I realized that God's marvelous peace was to be claimed and that the present was for her. The future belongs to him. As a lasting reminder of this glorious, wonderful truth, she had scratched it on the window pane, and each morning thereafter, as she awakened, she might see this is the day. Not tomorrow, not next year, not 10 years from now, but today was the day to trust God. Today was the day to be content. Today was the day to make the most of opportunity. That's why Paul says rejoice in the Lord always. He did not say someday, now, always, every day, one day at a time. Uh, also choose to be content with where you are spiritually in the sense that you're grateful for who you are in Christ and that you want to go. But we also need to be content with what we have. People today believe generally that contentment comes from getting the things that we want. And there's nothing wrong with having nice things. Uh, but if that becomes our goal, we'll never be content. A sociologist reported that in the turn of the century that the average American wanted about 72 different things. Now, this is back in uh, about 100 years ago. And 18 of them were considered important. In 1950, it had grown to 496 wants, and 94 were considered important. And now the list is well over 1,000 of wants and hundreds and hundreds of things that we think are essential to our happiness and contentment. But the word of God says in verse Timothy 6, 7, for we have brought nothing with us into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. Paul is writing to young Timothy, and he's saying, learn to be content with what you have. Listen to Hebrews, Hebrews 13, 5. Let your character be free from the love of money, being content with what you have. Paul said, I have learned this secret. I've learned to be okay if I'm hungry or if I'm full. I've learned to be content if my circumstances are good or if they're bad. And so what do you have today? Rejoice in it. Thank God for it. Appreciate it. Use it. And if you have more tomorrow, do the same thing. And if you have more tomorrow and more tomorrow and more tomorrow, fine. If you don't, still be content. That doesn't mean that we don't uh, have ambition. It doesn't mean that we can't seek to have something more. It just means that we are content with what we have even as we do our best to do what God wants us to do. Some, some kids in a poor section of town were, making, were playing with an old log like it was a horse, and a man who was passing by saw them on the, on the old log riding up and down or trying to. That's rather slow riding, wouldn't you say? And, and they said, yes, sir. And he said, well, why don't, why, why, why don't you uh, quit doing that and get a real horse and she said we have to use what we have in other words we can't get a real horse we don't have a real horse so we're making the most of what we have and we're content with it Thomas Aquinas told of a man he heard about who had a very special ox and determined uh, who wanted one and wanted determined to have it for his own and he spent his entire fortune 
he gave his whole life searching for that special ox that he never found, and therefore he never found contentment. You see, most of us are looking somewhere for something or someone to give us contentment when God has already given us everything we're looking for. It's right here, right now. Accept and embrace where you are, who you are, what you have. And then if you're going to really make the choice to be content, you must be, realize that contentment is a costly choice. These choices are costly. And we're going to talk about that tomorrow, so I hope you won't miss. But I hope today you'll just rejoice in what you have and make the most of it. Be content with it. God bless you.